We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week nine. I am Scott Jenstead, back with you after a week off. I was out for some work travel, so uh, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed Derek and John McKechnie joining you uh, last week. Uh, this week I'm actually joined by John McKechnie again. Derek is at First Pitch Arizona doing some baseball during the middle of football season here, so we're happy to uh, have John aboard. We are sponsored by Fantasy Draft, so we thank them for that. If you could please rate and review the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, it goes a long way towards helping the podcast. If you do enjoy listening to us, you can leave a bunch of stars, leave a nice comment. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, John, looking forward to do, uh, chatting week nine with you. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from the from the insanity that was last night's game where, uh, you know, a couple of one, uh, you're, you know, bad teams come in and meet and uh, you, you got a basically what looks like a preseason roster going out there for San Francisco and they still found a way to just beat the daylights out of out of an Oakland team that is in full on quit mode. So that was a, a bit of an eyesore of a game. So still recovering. Yeah, I think you know that I'm actually a 49ers fan, so I never know how to mm-hmm. deal with games like that. You know, obviously, once Garoppolo got hurt, the season was pretty much done. But, you know, you're still watching the game. It's hard not to root for your team, but you understand that draft spot matters. But uh, when it comes to the Niners playing the Raiders, I, I was full bore uh, rooting for them to smoke Oakland last night. There you go. And, I mean, really, that's the one last time that it's the true battle of the Bay with, with uh, the Raiders going to Vegas. So uh, it's good to kind of, like, leave on a good foot for you as a, as a Niners guy. It looked like a lot of uh, a lot of spirited fights in the stands last night, too. 
Well, that that uh, that will continue on. The Oakland people will will continue to fight in in the middle of the Coliseum, even when there's no football going on. My favorite was that there was a video on Twitter of a guy just bleeding from the face, and it turned out that they were both 49ers fans punching each other. So that was uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> was one of them wearing a jersey that was kind of misleading, or were they just wailing on each other just because? Uh, no, I think yeah, probably just wailing each other just because, and uh, probably a little bit of alcohol, probably a little bit of boredom in the game, and it was a, a bad combo. Yeah, NFL upper deck. It's uh, it's always a mosh pit up there. It uh, it really is. So uh, let's take a look at uh, the week nine slate. You know, we're halfway through the season. Season's going back uh, pretty quickly. Uh, interesting slate this week. It's a very short slate, which I actually kind of like. I don't like super short, like one or two game slates, but ten games, mm-hmm. you can really kind of dig into everything. We've got uh, we lose uh, we lose Green Bay and New England on Sunday night, which is an interesting uh, offensive performance there. Uh, Dallas and Tennessee on Monday night. I don't think we're gonna cry over losing that one. But we got six teams on by this week, so down to ten games on the main slate. I think it can really help to kind of focus your decisions, and you really got to dig into games this way. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, a lot of the teams that are off this week aren't super, super consequential. Although in a lot of my season long leagues, I'm very Cincinnati heavy. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, rolling with with some uh, junkyard lineups there. Uh, but I mean, as far as this slate goes, yeah, I mean, it, it's one that there's some interesting games. Uh, there's a few with those over-unders uh, over 50. So, I mean, there's still plenty of games where there's going to be plenty of offense. And, and there's some other ones that I think could hit uh, in that sort of uh, scoring range as well that, that are currently under that 50 total. Yeah, we got three games over 50 points. We got the Chiefs and Browns at 51, the Bucks and Panthers, which everybody loves, at 55. And then you have the what probably is the game of the season so far. We got the Rams and the Saints. Uh, 59 and a half. Last I looked, there were some 60s I've seen. Uh, the last game uh, that kicked off in the NFL with a 60-point overrunner was 2004. So this is a, a pretty a pretty historic game. The first time in 15 years we've had a spread this high. And everybody's going to be stacking these two games. I think it's going to be interesting to figure out which guys from those two games you like, but also maybe figure out two or three other games, which you think, you know, maybe in the mid to high forties that, that might become shootouts and maybe kind of get some low percentage guys from those games. Yeah. I think that that's an interesting way to look at it. And, and, you know, like you said, with, with the way that everyone is going to be in on the, especially the, the Rams saints and the Buccaneers Panthers games, you gotta, you gotta pick your spots very, very wisely and choose wisely because, you know, you, you could be casting your lot for it with a guy that everyone else is, is in on and, and it ends up flopping. So, I mean, that pretty much uh, kills your lineup. So, I mean, you gotta be careful here with, with those type of games and, and choose it right. Yeah, some of those games in the 46 to 48, 49 range that you know normally are interesting might uh, might fly under the radar this week with the, with that Rams Saints game. Uh, you got you got a pick in that game. You got a team you like to win that game. I actually do like the the Saints uh, this week. I think that you know for for as well as the Rams have been doing all season, I, I think that they're they're running into a Saints team that uh, I think can, has shown that it can play a variety of styles and and be, and win in a variety of ways. I mean, they went up uh, to Baltimore a couple weeks ago and, and played a really impressive kind of like slugfest uh, type game. I don't think that this game really. Uh, will end up being quite like that one, but it they can uh, they can also score with anybody. I think they've shown that, and I don't think I'm like reinventing the wheel by by saying that. But it, the the Saints defense, I think, it is really a little bit better uh, than maybe some people are giving it credit for, especially against the run. Uh, so I think we could be seeing Todd Gurley's first off game of the season, or one where he's not just putting up astronomical numbers. Um, so that that's kind of the way it goes. And I think if they are able to kind of uh, gunk up the the works uh, for the Rams offense, uh, then I think the Saints come out ahead here. Yeah, I think the Saints win that game too. I actually went to a game at the Superdome last season. That is a that is a loud place when they get going. I saw them play the Lions. It was a super high scoring game. And 
when that place gets jumping, that's a tough place to call plays, tough place to uh, to play offense. So it'd be interesting to see how McVay and the Rams kind of uh, kind of kind of uh, navigate around that and figure out uh, how to call plays. If they get going, they get a lead. They could roll, roll pretty well, but I want to see how they react to that to that dome noise. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a special environment. I was actually down in uh, in Louisiana a couple weeks ago myself, and uh, I was at the Superdome, but it was on a Saturday. It was uh, before we were all leaving to uh, Baton Rouge for the Georgia LSU game. But it got to actually go around on the field at the Superdome is pretty awesome. How was uh, how was Baton Rouge as a venue for a game? Uh, I mean that that stadium, you know, a hundred thousand crazy screaming people that that are so into it, and that that stadium is. is you know, I've been to some really good stadiums, uh, but that one probably takes the cake in terms of environment. Uh, and, you know, even as a as a Georgia fan that, that paid a lot of money to go down there, it was still kind of just like breathtaking to to see how energetic and, and loud it was, especially when uh, when the LSU got some juice flowing. I hear that uh, the tailgating starts on like Thursday afternoon there, too. Uh, yes, I, I got down there on Friday, but yeah, it's still like everyone was, it was like already in, in rare form and we were mostly staying in new Orleans on Friday. Uh, but that was insane. And then, yeah, the, the tailgate scene in Baton Rouge itself is, is, uh, everything that is it's hyped to be. So with the, uh, with the high scoring games this week, we also have, we have one game that's super low and a weird game. It's the, it's the bears and the bills, not only a 37 and a half over under, but uh, the Bears are favored by double digits. You rarely see a double-digit favor with that low of a spread. Just shows you how brutal the implied total for the Bills will be. That's that's a brutal offense and and one that obviously everybody's gonna be avoiding this week. Oh sure. I mean, I think in general we we probably avoid the Bills. You know, like, like the plague. Um, I do think you know from from a spread perspective though. I think that's giving Chicago a bit too much credit. I, I think that they like the bottom can drop out on them. I know they've played well at, at given times uh, this season. They hung relatively tough uh, with the Patriots a few weeks back, but I, I still have trouble fully trusting that this Bears team right now. And I know the defense is going to keep uh, the Bills from scoring, you know, even more than like a 17 points or anything like that. But uh, I really have trouble believing that that Chicago is going to like roll that roll and uh, you know win this game comfortably on the road with Trubisky. Yeah, I agree with you on the Bears, but uh, man, that Bills offense—I mean, they have seven offensive so touchdowns all year. It's so beyond bad. And you got Nathan Peterman behind center this week. Uh, if I'm in Vegas, I'm sure not. I'm certainly not putting. I might not be betting the Bears, but I'm certainly not putting any money on Nathan Peterman at any point. No, that, and that is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, betting 101 is to avoid Nathan Peterman, like like at all costs. So before we get into uh, hitting the games game by game, you know, we like to look at uh, if there's any like obvious chalk plays. You know, usually it has to do with a running back getting hurt late in the week, and you get someone that's really cheap. I didn't really see any of those, but. The interesting thing this week with those is that with the wide receiver trades this week, we had both Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate get traded, uh, opens up some uh, some targets for both Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones in Detroit, and then also Cortland Sutton in Denver. And you guys that that uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and Fantasy Draft haven't been able to adjust the price on because the trades happen midweek. Uh, any of those guys jump out at you as someone that you're going to lock into your lineup this week and kind of uh, you know start from there? Um, I think Sutton just like kind of the, the combination of price and the added opportunity. I mean, yeah. we're looking at a situation where uh, Demarius Thomas was was uh, commanding 20 percent of the target share. Cortland Sutton was down at 13 before that trade. So you imagine that, you know, we're going to see almost like a 50 percent boost in target share uh, for Cortland Sutton moving forward. And I mean, he's he's a kind of like big bodied guy. 
um, that can go up and get it. I, I think coming out of college, that was sort of his best trait, just uh, not only like his size and his frame, but his, his ability to use it uh, really adeptly and kind of shield off defenders, go up and high point that ball. Um, so I think the added opportunities there, uh, it really kind of leads to, to him being a guy that is kind of like this week's like bingo free space. I think that he's going to be really, really highly owned, but I think it, it is going to be with good reason. I think it is going to end up uh, paying off. I am interested to see how the Galladay thing works out because I'm totally sold on Galladay, the player, um, but this is still a Minnesota defense in the secondary that that's tough. So we'll, we'll have to see like who he draws in terms of uh, the, the Vikings corners. Um, but if it's like an Xavier Rhodes, I, I think I saw that he might be dinged up, but yep. if it, if, if Rhodes is good to go, uh, him versus Galladay is one of the like more interesting in-game uh, matchups that we'll see this week. So I think it, maybe the efficiency gets ticked down a little bit uh, if he draws Rhodes, but I still think the overall production will be you know a, a bonus, and I think that he will uh, outproduce his price tag. Well, let's let's jump into that game then. I have that actually listed as the first game: Detroit at Minnesota. The Vikings are fared by five points, uh, over under forty nine in that game. So one that uh, you know we didn't mention in the intro that game's over fifty, but right at that level. Um, you know, Minnesota defense has kind of stiffened recently. You know, since uh, they get those 300-yard receivers to the Rams in one week, and then the last three weeks, nobody, or last four weeks, nobody's been over 100 yards on them. So it seems like they have finally kind of figured it out a little bit. Um, starting on the Detroit side of the ball, we mentioned the receivers. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is a, is a tough one because he could he could go after Marvin Jones. He could go after Galladay. I'm not sure what they're going to do with him, but like you said, he's a little bit dinged up. Uh, if you had to pick somebody, it sounds like you're you're more of a Galladay than a Marvin Jones player this week. Uh, I, I think so. Maybe I'm just kind of like buying into the recent trends and, and Jones has been a little bit more more quiet this year than, than usual. But now uh, with Golden Tate gone, I think that, you know, the targets open up a little bit. But I think I'm, I'm also interested in that Detroit run game, mostly uh, carry on Johnson. I, I know last week he had a bit of a down week, uh, especially coming off of what he was able to do uh, to Miami previously. But but uh, this is a Minnesota uh, defense. It's it's solid against the run. They're 10th, they're according to uh, Football Outsiders DVOA against the run. Um, but at the same time, I mean, carry on Johnson is a complete back. And I think that he can hurt them as a pass catcher. And we saw, especially in that Rams game that you mentioned, uh, if, if Detroit is smart enough to kind of draw matchups where, uh, he's get it, where carry on Johnson is getting matched up against a linebacker, like an Anthony Barr or something, uh, then Johnson can do some serious damage in the passing game as well. So really like him for, for the DraftKings for, for the full point PPR, but I, I like him, uh, well enough on uh, FanDuel as well. Yeah, I've been super impressed by Johnson this year. And the thing I liked from last week, you know, they kind of he kind of got game scripted out of the running game with uh, with them going down to Seattle pretty early. They were down, you know, they were down 28-7 late in the game and scored a late touchdown, but eight targets for him last week. You know, Theo Riddick didn't play, which I think is a key this week if you're going to use carry on is, is to check the Riddick news and he's he's questionable uh, as of, you know, it's Friday at noon on the West Coast right now. He's still questionable, but if he doesn't play, I like the way they used Johnson in the, the past game uh, last week like you mentioned. So only eight carries, but the eight targets and and six receptions really jumped out to me. Obviously, he was great against Miami running the ball the week before, but at 6400 on FanDuel, I think uh, Johnson in that in that mid-range fits in pretty nicely if you think this game stays close. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm leaning with it. Yeah, so I mean, I'm trying to get some relatively expensive running backs, my first two slots, but uh, it, it, in terms of uh, flex guys, uh, you know, and if you can't afford like an Adrian Peterson or something, I think that you, you check it down uh, to that next tier down price-wise, and I think Johnson fits that mold. So on the on the Minnesota side, you know, Detroit's allowed multiple touchdown passes in three straight weeks. Uh, Kirk Cousins checked checks it at eighty three hundred bucks on FanDuel. Uh, 
Do you have a preference this week uh, at receiver there? I mean, it's hard to go away from Adam Thielen. Eight straight 100-yard games. It's just getting ridiculous at this point. He has double-digit targets in seven of eight weeks. But Stephon Diggs, you know, he's a lot cheaper than, than Thielen. He's 7300 on FanDuel, $1,600 difference. And he has double-digit targets uh, last two weeks and six of eight weeks. So he's just involved, just not as much of the downfield work, a lot of underneath stuff for Diggs. He's been under 35 yards two of the last three weeks, so really hurt there. But he's still really involved in the offense. Uh, are you a Thielen guy this week? Are you more on Diggs for the price saving? or you neither um I, I think both is the right answer i think that right. you know this is an offense that that does channel through both of those guys pretty reliably and you know beyond beyond those two it, it's a little bit just kind of up for up for grabs uh, in terms of those tertiary targets but i mean digs i i love the skill set and I, I think that uh, a bounce back is coming uh soon and i mean he did play well uh, against new orleans in, in his own right so i think that uh, as long as he's healthy i know he has a bit of a, a rib thing uh we haven't seen the the uh vikings injury report from friday but i do like digs as well and, and like you said the price savings is good but i am going to do everything that i can to to um open up enough room to get Adam Thielen because I think this is a matchup where uh, Detroit against the pass is shaky enough to where I, I'm buying in uh, even even at the uh, inflated price point. I mean, Detroit, it ranks 30th against the pass in terms of DVOA. So I think that this is a spot where the Detroit or the uh, Minnesota uh, passing game can definitely feast. And I think also if you're going away from like the, the upper tier uh, tight ends, I think this is a spot where maybe Kyle Rudolph uh, could benefit as well, because I know that Detroit has been really, really shaky against tight ends, especially. How do you feel about Latavius Murray this week? 6,700 on FanDuel. He's averaging 20 touches per game last three weeks with Dalvin Cook out, and Dalvin Cook is out yet again. He scored in each of the last three games, but the thing that jumped out to me is that the Lions' rush D is brutal right now. They're allowing 137, 137 yards per game rushing. Chris Carson had a buck five on him last week. Kenyon Drake was 6 for 72 the week before. Um, Zeke had 150 on him. Matt Breida had 140 on him. I mean, they get him a lot of big rushing games. Um you like uh, you like Latavius all this week. He's been he's been he's been the bell cow the last three weeks, and it's uh, he's kind of under the radar. Yeah, I mean, if you know, like you said, uh, with Dalvin Cook being out, he is kind of the only man in town as far as that run game goes. So, I mean, he's a, he's a player that I, I have a hard time getting super excited about. But you know, the things that you mentioned there, with, with like you know how Detroit has been playing against the run and just the the sheer amount of opportunities that that Murray should be in line for, if that holds up, then I, I don't really see a reason to go against him at, at sixty seven hundred. I really like you know in that same price range, and we'll get to him. Uh, in a little bit, but I I, I still uh, am in on Nick Chubb, especially going against the, the Kansas City run defense. But I think that more people might be apt to jump on that one and kind of uh, forget about Murray for just being a hundred dollars more expensive on FanDuel. So uh, that could be a situation where Murray low owned and he ends up paying off pretty big. Yeah, Chubb is clearly the, the sexier name of the two, and I mean Latavius is kind of the the non sexy of the sexiest of all those guys, but. I was a little surprised about how reliable he's been. He scored four touchdowns the last uh, last three weeks, so he's uh, kind of sliding in there. Still under seven thousand on Fanduel. I was uh, I was actually intrigued, uh, more intrigued than I thought I'd be when I started digging it a little bit more. Yeah, that, that's kind of the way I view it as well. It's it's just one of those ones where yeah, w- once you start looking into it, it's like wait a second, maybe yeah. <laughs> Latavius kind of is the play this week. All right. So uh, going to one of the games with the over-under of over 50, we have the the Chiefs headed to Cleveland. And, I mean, this Chiefs offense has just gotten ridiculous. It's so good. So many different weapons. Mahomes has uh, four touchdowns in each of the last three weeks. He has 300-plus yards in seven consecutive weeks passing. Um, I guess the only issue, you know, we'll start on the, on the Chiefs side, is 
you know, how much do you think the Chiefs dominate this game? They're favored by eight points in this game. Do you think Mahomes gets game scripted out a little bit? Do you think that Andy Reid gives a crap about game scripting? Do you think they care? Uh, what do you do with the Chiefs offense? Obviously, you want some piece of it. Do you have a strong preference uh, on which pe- what piece you're going to attack? Um, I'm going to lean on the on the ground game here. Okay. I think I'm I am going to go. I know that Mahomes is is always like the most expensive quarterback nowadays, and, and you know with, with obviously with, with good reason. Um, but when he's almost a thousand dollars more than Cam Newton, and, and this could be one of his lower volume games because, like you said, uh, this should be one where the Chiefs just go in and pound him. Um, I think that Kareem Hunt would probably be my guy. I know that um, Jeff Erickson has him ranked as our number two uh, running back for this week. Uh, 8,500, you don't have to like completely you know, punt at other positions in order to afford him. Um, and I think that this sets up really well. I think that that uh, Browns run defense in particular um, is is really really shaky. I think it ranks close to the bottom in the NFL in terms of DVOA and its pass defense. I don't think that really any pass defense can can stop Mahomes. So I don't really care that they're number one in DVOA against the pass. It just doesn't matter when it's Mahomes. But again, uh, bottom five run defense, and I think that the game flow uh, is going to allow for a lot of Kareem Hunt down the stretch. So I go with Kareem Hunt here. Yeah, I really like that play. I mean, James Conner had a buck 46 against him last week. Melvin Gordon had 132 and three touchdowns a couple weeks before that. Uh, the thing I like about Hunt is you don't really have to worry about game script as much if for some reason they have some turnovers early and get behind. I mean, he only had nine targets the first five weeks, but six in each of the last three weeks. They've really been used in the passing game also. Uh, he has a TD in each of his last seven games, touch, 10 touchdowns total in that stretch. Uh, after a couple of, uh, of quiet weeks early on, Hunt has really emerged in a, in a big way. Uh, the interesting guy that here is, is Travis Kelsey, too. I mean, you look at tight ends this week. There's no Gronk. He's not on the slate. He plays Sunday night. Ertz is on bye. George Kittle played last night. He's clearly the number one tight end, like, by leaps and bounds of everybody else. It's priced that way, too. I mean, on DraftKings, it's like a $2,000 difference to get to the next tight end. Uh, how do you feel about tight end in general this week? And is you know Kelsey someone you're going to try and force in there, or do you think you can find someone cheaper that you like? Uh, as in general, I, I do kind of tend to go towards the mid tier when it when it comes to tight end. Uh, not to get too off topic, but how excited are you that you had to mention George Kittle as one of those elite <laughs> tight end options right Love off the it. bat there? Love it. I, I got yeah, here's I mean, here's one for you. If you had to, uh, you had to pick between Kittle or Gronk the rest of the season, which way would you go? Well, uh, you know the way that I'm always like the the guy that is the cold blanket when it comes to Gronk, just because I'm always assuming that he's going to be dinged up. Right. Um, so I'm I'm a Kittle guy. All right, I like it. Gotta um, say it. What about uh, what about the Chiefs pass catchers? Uh, you know, uh, Sammy Watkins was the big guy last week, eight for a buck oh seven and two touchdowns. Uh, do you think Tyreek Hill, with all the big name guys that are in high scoring games, you know, you got the Mike Evans, you've got uh, all the Rams receivers, you got Michael Thomas in these big games. Do you think Tyreek Hill could sneak through a li- at a lower percentage than usual? He's got a little bit of a groin tweak. He only had four targets last week. Do you think he might be a little a little quieter on the percentage wise than usual? Um, I think so, but I, I think it, it could be with good reason. Tyreek Hill is, is obviously an awesome player that can that can go the distance on any given play. You know better than anybody else uh, in this league. But uh, this week I'm at 7,800 when there are other kind of more appealing options in that same price range. I'm probably uh, not approaching him. I I totally understand the logic if you wanted to. Um, But for for me, um, I'm just going to go with with someone with a little bit of a higher floor. And, you know, again, if Kansas City does get up big, uh, then this could be a situation where Tyreek Hill uh, 
simply isn't needed. And like you said, uh, if he's been dealing with with a bit of a groin injury, isn't 100 percent, then why would Kansas City like for, force him uh, some snaps when they, they really can uh, afford to take their foot off the gas? And then back to your earlier question about Kelsey, um, I think that this sets up well for him. But again, I'm probably leaning more towards those mid tier guys. That seems uh, that seems fair on the on the defense side. Defenses are tough to come by this week. I think a lot of people are playing the Bears against the Bills. Uh, you mentioned the Chiefs maybe getting up big. Uh, maybe uh, Baker Mayfield throwing the ball a lot in the second half. Do you have any interest in uh, in trying to slide the Chiefs defense in there? They had five sacks last week against the Broncos. The Browns have given up five sacks in three of their last four games. Creates kind of a nice uh, floor there. You got to think that the Chiefs are going to get three or four sacks in this game. Maybe a late uh, maybe a late uh, chance at a touchdown with a turnover. Uh, do you like the Chiefs D at all? I actually do. I think that, you know, despite their their inefficiency against the run, um, uh, Cleveland could be in a situation where they where they just simply kind of have to punt on on the run game. So when I when I was kind of making a lineup to to kind of uh, get prepped for this episode, um, I, Kansas City was the defense that I landed on. I think that they, they have like the nice combination of value um, and, and I think upside there. And again, uh, they're getting to the passer. Uh, Cleveland's offensive line has proven to be, you know, uh, really a shell of its former self now that now that Joe Thomas is officially uh, out of the picture there. So uh, that that uh, that unit still kind of figuring things out. I think that there, there is that floor where, where Kansas City can uh, give you some points uh, via the sack and via the turnover, obviously, against a rookie quarterback. So uh, the, the Chiefs were the, the defense that I landed on for that, actually. Nice. Uh, so on the Browns side of the ball, you know, you got to figure the Chiefs are going to score. The Browns are going to have to try and keep up. Uh, do you like any of the Browns side of the ball? Because one of my favorite players this week for price and production is actually on the Browns this week. But I'll let you go first. Is there anybody on the Cleveland offense that you're going to be attacking aggressively at all this week? Um, yes. And, uh, you know, at I know I was just talking about how how Cleveland might have to have been in the run, but luckily Nick Chubb can kind of he can go to the house on, on any given play. We saw that obviously against the Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs have a uh, pre- if there's one big uh, consistent weakness to their defense, it is against the run. So I like Nick Chubb a fair bit uh, this week. I know that he's kind of been that that bingo free space guy, kind of like what Galladay is this week. I know that he was that against the Bucks and he didn't quite pan out. And then last week was kind of mediocre as well. But I still think he has it in him. And and I think a, a game against the Chiefs, um, I know I was just touting the Chiefs defense as well, but if, I, if I'm if i making a li- multiple lineups, which I am, um, I am going to get uh, some Nick Chubb in there too. I uh, I love Jarvis Landry this week. 6,600 on FanDuel. Uh-huh. I know under 40 yards, uh, three of the last five games. I get that. But you look at the targets. I know that's been inefficient with Baker Mayfield, but 46 targets last four weeks tied for the NFL lead with Odell Beckham. About as good a game script as you can get. This is going to be a fast-paced game, one that Cleveland's going to have to throw the ball the whole second half. I think there's no doubt the Chiefs are going to score. It's just a matter if the Browns keep up at all. Uh, the Chiefs are allowing 324 yards passing per game. So, you know, we talked about the Chiefs' D for fantasy is pretty good, but, you know, I don't think real-world anybody thinks the Chiefs' D is great. I just think Landry, sure. under, under 7000 on FanDuel, he's priced well on DraftKings and Fantasy Draft also. I think he's a guy that you're, you're pretty much locked into a ton of volume and if I can get someone that uh, you know under seven thousand, I know is going to get a lot of volume. That's a play that I always really like to get. Yeah, I'm in on that, and uh, you know I was definitely going after Landry a lot in, in draft season as well. And you know, like you said, the the volume over the last few weeks, it it, it all just makes sense. I think that you know, given the given the price point, especially this week. And then, like you said, on FanDuel, uh, yeah, Landry is is going to be a really nice uh, like kind of mid tier option. How uh, how does David Njoku get zero targets last week? Uh, Cleveland stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but like 11, 12, and 6 the three weeks before that, he's really clicking with Mayfield, over 50 yards, back-to-back weeks of touchdowns. 
He played 54 snaps last week and had zero targets. That that amazes me that you can't set up a couple plays for him, especially coming out of halftime. You got to realize he hasn't seen the ball once. How do you not set up a couple plays for him? Yeah, that again, uh, you know, sometimes when it comes to the Browns and especially the the old regime uh, now, I'm I'm sure that the Browns fans are, are glad that that's over with for the most part. Um, but yeah, that that's just one where you can't really apply logic to to anything because it seems like you know, Njoku, all the talent in the world. Uh, he's been playing well, and then, you, like you said, he's been drawing a, a ton of volume, so the zero targets is, literally makes no sense. So I don't really know how to explain it. I expect some form of bounce back this week, maybe maybe not quite the double-digit target volume, but, you know, 6-7, and, and he can, you know, certainly convert that in, into something. Am I necessarily going after him? I'm not I'm not positive. Uh, what What are you... Or where do you stand on Njoku for this week specifically? Yeah, I'm kind of in the uh, who the hell knows at this point. I mean, after coming off, the, mm-hmm. I really liked him coming into last week. He had really been being been, the production's been solid. He's been really involved when, once Maker once uh, Mayfield took over. But zero targets on 54 snaps. I mean, that's that's concerning. Nice game script this week. They're going to be behind. So uh, I think he's an interesting guy. I mean, you could he's going to slot him in there. He's not going to be high percentage. I think a lot of people will be scared off of last week, and he's priced. At 5,200 on FanDuel, so high enough where he's not like an obvious toss-him-in play. But I think he's an interesting guy, kind of bounce-back guy. Not uh, not like a main core guy for me, but probably someone, someone I'll throw in a couple tournament lineups. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. The the, the tournament uh, appeal, especially for a guy that that can go off the way that Njoku can, um, that, that definitely makes sense. But yeah, probably, probably not uh, the guy that you're going to for cash. Moving on to the team I believe you root for. You're a Ravens fan, right? Uh, this is correct. Uh, Steelers at Ravens. Big game for you. Uh, Baltimore three-point favorites over under 47.5. Starting on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, you know, I, I, I've just stopped fighting it. The the Big Ben on the road, and not only on the road, but in early games, it's just been so bad for so long. I think I'm just not paying the price. I don't, I don't see any reason to kind of force Roethlisberger in there, especially against a defense that I really, really like. Uh, I just don't see a reason to play him. Simeon Hunter on FanDuel. He's just bad on the road. He's bad in morning games. If he if he beats me and he, he breaks out of that, fine. But just not someone I'm playing this week. It's uh you know it's funny. Maybe I'm just like the over overly doomsday or overly skeptical guy. But <laughs> Roethlisberger play, played so bad in that first game that that I you know Pittsburgh I feel like in general kind of has that tendency to to play down uh, to his opposition, especially on the road. And, and you know we saw that week one with the tie up in Cleveland. Everyone was like, what the heck uh, is going on there? But I think Roethlisberger, you know. Quarterback is a little bit difficult to, to solve this week, and, and I feel like a lot of people are going to be scared off by those road splits, and especially with it uh, being in Baltimore. If Marlon Humphrey's still dinged up, uh, the way that Jimmy Smith is playing right now is is a huge issue for Baltimore. Um, he's been awful uh, recently, just giving up pass, pass interference penalties, uh, getting uh, burned when he's not interfering. So he's been. I think that uh, this is a matchup where Antonio Brown can really take advantage of him. Um, I actually do feel like Pittsburgh uh, can come in and and win this game. And I think also on the other side, there's a situation where Ronnie Stanley might not be playing. So they they might be playing this guy named Jermaine Illuminor, and he's not very good and certainly not very experienced at the left tackle spot. I think he was drafted as like more of a right guard uh, type of guy. So uh, that could be a problem that could lead to some strip sacks, some turnovers, some short fields for Roethlisberger to take advantage. So uh, a soft disagree from me on, on right. that. I think that Roethlisberger could be, uh, I think the tournament logic is there at least, at okay. least I, I think that maybe cash game, you're not locking him in because if, if, uh, the track record stands, then obviously he's not going to do very well, but tournament wise, I think maybe there is some appeal there. 
So if you were gonna if you're gonna do that, and I mean he's definitely gonna be low percentage, especially with the options that, that we have this week. Uh, is there? Uh, would you pair him up with uh, AB, or are you pairing up with uh, with Juju for sixteen hundred or less? What would you do as like a, as a stack combo there? I think I would. I would go the full like expensive one, and I think you're saving like a little bit of money by going Roethlisberger over over you know your Cam Newtons or your Drew Brees. Um, so I think that there could be if. Obviously, you can't do an Adam Thielen lineup if you're going Antonio Brown. But I think enough people have been like burned on occasion by Antonio Brown this year by by games where they're expecting him to absolutely go off. You know, I think that the Kansas City one comes to mind and he only uh, put up like 11.2 on FanDuel. I mean, he's been good, but he hasn't had like that monster Antonio Brown game uh, just yet. And I think the Steelers offense in general is kind of rolling and the Ravens defense reeling. So I think this is a situation where, where the Brown uh, Roethlisberger stack actually is one that is underplayed but one that pays off he's uh he's never had 100 yards in any game in baltimore in his career that is wow that is shocking i feel like he's broken our hearts just a, a million times but maybe it maybe it's mostly been in pittsburgh he ruined my christmas two years ago i'm like still <laughs> mad about that <laughs> that uh, antonio brown do that to you but uh, christmas is canceled folks yeah i've uh, i've had a couple of i've had a couple of those myself uh, i i feel you there but uh so what about the baltimore side of the ball if you do think that pittsburgh scores some and baltimore maybe needs to keep up do you uh do you like some of the receivers in this game? Um, the, you know, I, the first like five or six weeks of the season, the the John Brown tout was paying off huge. It was it was looking great, but he's really been been shut down uh, these past couple of weeks. Uh, I think that the Saints put Lattimore on him, and that sort of erased him from that game. And then the Panthers last week put uh, Dante Jackson on him, and he's a rookie. Uh, but Jackson's calling card is his speed, so I think that. Uh, Brown can really get tripped up by fast corners. I don't think that the Steelers necessarily have that. So I think that John Brown can bounce back in this one. Uh, if the volume is right, um, I think that this is, this is definitely a bounce back spot. I know he performed well against the Steelers that first time around. Um, so I'm expecting more of the same uh, this time. And I think that maybe people have been burned by Brown in recent weeks. So maybe that recency bias kicks in and they're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going to Brown after, after these past couple of weeks. Um, Michael Crabtree, he seems to always get volume, but you got to worry about the drops. He looks really, really slow right now. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's dealing with something or if he just really is uh, that slows. But so I'm probably not going after Crabtree. And then the tight ends, it's just such a crapshoot as to whether it's going to be Mark Andrews or, or Hayden Hurst. I know he scored the touchdown last week, but it was in garbage time. Um, so I, I think that Brown, John Brown or maybe Willie Sneed are the two, only two uh, Ravens pass catchers that I would consider. And I'm not using either of the running backs either. The, the Crabtree stuff is weird because you, you can kind of get the slowing down as he becomes a veteran, but this is a guy that had elite hands. And when you have elite hands, that usually just doesn't go away. And he dropped so many balls this right? year. It's so odd. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been maddening. It's been, uh, you know, also just really, like you said, kind of like confusing. It's like, wait a second, like where'd the hands go? Yeah. Uh, you know, of all things, you know, he's get he's getting to his spots a lot of the time. Like he's getting enough separation. It's just after the catch, he looks just like he's, running with a refrigerator on his back or something. But yeah, the, the Flacco's putting the ball on his hands and he's just not bringing it in. So I don't really get it, but the volume does tend to be there. Flacco's does team or seem to keep going back to him even with those drops so that you can at least take solace in that if you do roster Crabtree this week. Talking about Crabtree and the Ravens at the same time with you is making me have bad, bad PSD flashbacks. Oh God, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we all right. We can uh, we can, <laughs> we can jump to the other games. <laughs> but last note of this game, you mentioned Willie Sneed, 4,200 on DraftKings. Uh, Sneed's actually tenth in the NFL in targets over the last four weeks with 35 targets, 11 targets last week. He's a sneaky guy in there in a full point PPR DraftKings at 4,200 that uh, is being seeing a lot of volume lately. 
Yeah, especially on DraftKings, he's definitely like a, a really strong punt option because of that that volume. I, I wish that his catch rate uh, would be a little bit higher, but at, at 4,200, again, this is a situation where you kind of you're you're loaded up at, at other receiver spots. You're paying up for a Thielen or something. Um, then Snead is a guy to that uh, can possibly make that happen. So I, I'm actually fine with that Snead play too. So moving on to uh, one of the bigger games of the day. Anytime we got Tampa Bay on the slate, it's usually a good thing for over-unders. They uh, they head to Carolina. Carolina's a six-point favorite. Obviously, everybody's going to like a lot of stacks in this game, so we got to figure out what to play. And starting on the visiting side of the ball, starting with Tampa, Ryan Fitzpatrick back as starting quarterback, 7,100 on FanDuel, 5,500 on DraftKings. Very well-priced. My question for you on Fitz is, uh, you know, obviously he's been, aside of that one game he got pulled, he's been really good stat-wise. He had 400-plus yards the first three games. How do you feel about how long his leash is? Like, if he has a bad first quarter and a half, do you think there's a chance they go back to Jameis? Do you think that the, now that Jameis has come in and out, they think that fits their guy for a little bit? It just seems like uh, my one concern is that, you know, a couple interceptions, there's some bad passes, and they, they, they flip around. How long do you think the leash is right now? I, I think that, you know, part of the part of the just enjoyment of of riding the the wave that is Fitz magic is you don't know how how long or short that <laughs> leash is going to be it's just like who, who knows but um i think that um with how winston played uh the, the past few weeks especially last week and in, in getting himself uh benched in, in a situation where going against cincinnati i really thought that uh he was going to be able to lead that that buccaneers offense a, a lot better than, than uh, he ended up doing it and then Fitz, Fitzpatrick obviously uh, looked awesome. Um, so I think that, that he will have some semblance of a leash as much as he really can or as much as you can expect. And I expect him to do okay. I don't think that he's going to light it up like he did uh, those first three weeks of the season necessarily. But I think it does, you know, uh, it, it inspires enough confidence to where, like, you're not uh, necessarily, like, fading the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay pass game this week. I think that, it, like, uh, your Mike Evans is, and even your Deshaun Jackson, I know that he has kind of a, a better rapport uh, with Fitzpatrick than he does with Winston. So maybe a guy like Deshaun Jackson uh, maybe deserves a little bit more uh, of a look for your lineups this week than he normally would. Yeah, D-Jack has, uh, has caught 18 of his 22 targets with, with Fitzpatrick. He had 300-yard games in the first four weeks, zero cents. So it's, he's the clear guy that you know clearly uh, gets more work with Fitzpatrick. And Adam Humphreys is the guy that's the opposite. He gets a lot less with Fitzpatrick, pretty significant than he does with, with Winston. So he's kind of off the map. Wait, what now. a knock again. What a knock against Winston that he's that he's looking at Humphreys more than Deshaun Jackson. What are you doing, man? It really is. I never thought we'd be here this quickly in the Jameis Winston versus Marcus, Marcus Mariota argument. I know, right? I mean, they're both just looking terrible. I mean, I, I think I, I'm I'm fully off on, on Tennessee with, with the Mariota. I think that he's just kind of toast. And then with Winston, it just like I, I think the, the turnovers are so bad and they, they were they're kind of like incorrectable. So I think both those guys are uh, certainly not the franchise cornerstones that they were drafted to be. Yeah, Fitz has 13 touchdowns to five interceptions. He's have those couple games in their way through the picks. But Jameis has six touchdowns, 10 interceptions, so a lot more rough. Uh, Mike Evans is under 8,000 this week on FanDuel. You know, he's a beast early on with Fitz. He had a 72-yard touchdown with him last week, 13 targets last week, over 100 yards in four out of seven games, seven-plus targets in six of seven games. Got to think he's a popular play this week uh, in this game with a high over-under and him under 8,000 this week. 
Yeah, I think so too. And you know, you kind of are at that price point on FanDuel uh, where uh, he's like six hundred dollars less than the, than the next guy up, which is Julio Jones, uh, who's going up against Washington. So I think that Evans, if you wanted to just not use that that absolutely elite tier and go for that second tier option, I think you like Evans more than you'd like a Tyreek Hill or a Robert Woods or a Brandon Cooks this week. So um, I think I think it does. Uh, set up well for Mike Evans this week. And again, I also think so uh, for Deshaun Jackson. Before we move on to the uh, Carolina side, getting to play against the Tampa Bay defense, any interest, any interest in OJ Howard this week? He's a little pricey on FanDuel at 6,000, but 4,300 on DraftKings. He's over 50 yards every game, except the one they got hurt in. Uh, Carolina's allowed five touchdowns to tight ends already this year. Uh, I think OJ Howard might be, uh, might be a good play. And on FanDuel at 6,000, I think he's gonna be a pretty low percentage. Cause I think that price is going to drive people down to some lower options. Yeah, it's 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 just tough to fit him in on FanDuel, but I, I do like this matchup for him. So that, that that's my only concern with him. It, um, but like you said, uh, that that is going to drive the overall uh, percentage down to a, to a pretty nice point where he's going to be able to to uh, you know outproduce that price tag. Still, uh, it's just a matter of being able to get him in there with a, like a viable rest of your lineup. So I like him more on DraftKings than I do on FanDuel. But uh, you know. I think that he's a guy that it's an otherworldly talent as far as tight ends go. Um, so it, it could go right with just one target or, or something like that. So um, I like him. Uh, I'll just have to see how I'm able to fit him in. Mostly, uh, more likely going to be on the DraftKings side, though. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We look like we're in we're one of the better Cam Newton stretches of his career at the moment. Uh, multiple touchdown passes in six straight games. Been over 40 yards rushing his last three games. He He's fully priced up this week in this great matchup. 8,600 on FanDuel, 6,600, I believe, on DraftKings at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, prime matchup, you know, Tampa's going to score some too, so that, that keep, they keep them in the game, keep them throwing. It doesn't really feel like – it feels more like a shootout than a blowout to me. Uh, Tampa's allowing 332 yards passing per game, allowing 26.3 FanDuel points per game to tie, to quarterbacks, easily the worst in the NFL. Uh, are you full bore on Cam this week? How do you feel about this one? I am, you know, with what we talked about earlier with, with Mahomes, maybe just not not getting uh, we're, we're only getting like 85 percent of Mahomes this week if, if they kind of uh, pull the plug or put their foot on the brakes there. Uh, so I really like Cam Newton in this spot. And obviously him being the, the second most expensive quarterback on the board, um, you know, it, it goes to show that this is a really good spot for him. But I'm totally buying it. So I am going to be trying to find ways to, to get him as my quarterback in pretty much every lineup that I make. I think that this is one where, um, you know, if I'm wrong, it's just because Carolina's wrong because there's no way that they shouldn't be putting up a ton of points via Cam Newton against this Tampa Bay defense at home. So if you if you do play Cam and you want to stack him with someone, I mean you can go kind of tricky and go with with McCaffrey. Also gets a little expensive, but since he throws in the ball so much. But do you have a do you like Devin Funches? Do you like DJ Moore? Kind of on the rise, 16 targets the last three weeks. Uh, what do you do on the Carolina catching the ball side if you're going to play Cam? 
Uh, yes, I, I think for starters, I, I do kind of lean towards McCaffrey. I know it, it is, like you said, a little bit off the wall to to go uh, after the the running back and quarterback stack. But McCaffrey, the, his usage in the past game is pretty unique. Uh, so yeah. I, as far as like DraftKings goes, where, where it's full point PPR um, and you can get him at, at 7,800, certainly not cheap, but uh, I think. Uh, well, I guess you you kind of have to choose between McCaffrey and Kareem Hunt, so that 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 is tough. Um, but McCaffrey, I think that the the ceiling is is reasonably high. The floor is definitely there in a PPR type of context. So I like him a lot. Uh, DJ Moore a little bit riskier, but like you said, he's starting to come on strong. He had a total breakout game uh, last week. Baltimore had no idea what to do uh, with him, and they were getting him the ball in kind of like interesting ways that I think that Tampa Bay just would be completely in over their head as far as defending it properly goes. So he would be my go-to if I'm going after the receiving core in Carolina. I'm not sure that I'm how much of DJ Moore I'm going to get, but um, I, I think I will try. I think he is my favorite of that group, um, and I also just uh, want to get it out there that I'm not in on Devin Funches just as, <laughs> as a general thing. Uh, you and me both, he's like my least favorite receiver uh, most years. Yeah, he's had he's had a lot of targets, but he hasn't topped 80 yards all year. He's just so touchdown reliant, but. With DJ Moore, mm-hmm. um, I don't really care about snap counts. You know, I usually care more about usage and stuff like that. But when it comes to a rookie wide receiver, you know, learning the system, he hadn't played uh, more than 33 snaps all year. Then he plays 46 last week. That jumps out to me as fairly important, um, pretty significant. They're finally trusting him to be a, a big cog in their offense. Yeah, definitely. So really, to me, it comes. I do think that that, uh, you know, last week was kind of the start of of a new, uh, you know, type of role for him where he's going to be uh, a regular part of that offense moving forward. The question really becomes like, do you go after a DJ Moore or uh, when there when there's like a Cortland Sutton sitting there, at least on FanDuel for like two hundred dollars more? It's going to be it's going to be tough to make that choice. It's going to be ballsy if you do, um, just given how how much we expect Sutton to kind of uh, flourish in the new role with all the new uh, volume. But I do think that Moore is kind of an interesting tournament guy. Yeah, and if you do, uh, you know, you want to go with, uh, you know, Goff or Breeze in the, in the late game and you don't play Cam. I mean, C-Mac, as we mentioned him, really interesting. I mean, Mixon was 21 for 123 and two touchdowns last week. And then you take a look deeper at kind of good receiving backs out of the backfield against the Bucks, And Tariq Cohen had seven for 121 yards. Alvin Kamara had nine for 112 yards and a touchdown week one. I mean, they've been they've been thrashed in many different ways, but uh, guys catching the ball in the backfield has been has, has been one of those two. And McCaffrey's obviously among the elite in that. Uh, you gotta like him under eight thousand on Fanduel. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like it, uh, yeah. That uh, McCaffrey almost came up when we opened the show talking about uh, you know kind of chalk guys that, right. that you are fully in on. So yeah, McCaffrey on both sides, I think, is totally uh, a building block. So moving on from a, a fun game to a game that's uh, not so fun, we have the Jets headed to Miami. Uh, no one is under, over $7,000 on FanDuel in this entire game on either side, which you, you <laughs> rarely, rarely ever see. Uh, Miami's fared by three, over under a 43.5. So low, but not super low. Uh, starting with the Jets side, is there anybody in the Jets that you're thinking about playing this week? Maybe Isaiah Crowell. I think that uh, Miami has shown to be pretty deficient against the run. Um, and, you know, with the sort of lack of, of viable options behind Crowell, um, we'll, we'll have to see. I don't I forget if, if uh, Elijah McGuire is ready to uh, get activated off of the, the short season IR. Um, but even if he does, uh, obviously he's been out for so long, there's no way that he comes in and steals a bunch of carries. And then Trenton Cannon, um, he's more of just a, like a change of pace type of guy. So I wouldn't expect him to be 
vulturing a ton of carries and certainly not uh, near the goal line. Um, so this is on the road. Maybe the Jets want to establish the run, you know, to, you know, uh, not have a rookie quarterback be, be chucking it a ton uh, in the, in a hostile environment, even though I, I would imagine this is going to be mostly Jets fans down in Miami. <laughs> um, but I, um, I still think I think Crowell. Uh, you kind of hold your nose in terms of getting exposure to this game, but if I'm going to do it, it, it probably is him. Yeah, he makes sense. I mean, he's just – and it's basically even more sense on DraftKings where he's only 4,200, but he had that 219-yard game, and since then he's been 13 for 40, 11 for 29, and 13 for 25. That's pretty gross. Yeah, that game is kind of my catnip. Like, I'm yeah. just, like I just go back to that when I think of Crowell. But you mentioned the Miami D. I mean, Lamar Miller, of all people, was 18 for 133 in them last week, and then on Johnson, who we like, is was 19 for 158 mm-hmm. against them like before that. So they, they have been giving it up in, in, in a big amount, but uh, I just – Crowell is, you know, he's either huge game or he's nothing. So I think he's kind of a, yep. you know, maybe a 4,200 on DraftKings. He might be a flex tournament play uh, there, but uh, I just, I probably just going to stay away from this offense for the most part. Uh, I think in general that that's a very good idea. And uh, Elijah McGuire, uh, Todd Bowles said today that he's trending towards returning uh, playing Sunday on the, against the Dolphins. So not decided yet, but it sounds like he's, uh, they're leaning that direction. I, I scooped him up in one league for, uh, just because I'm like totally just uh, totally bitten by the the bye week for week for week nine this week. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, for DFS consideration, I think that there's just probably not going to be enough volume, even if he's active uh, for him to be worthwhile. So maybe maybe, you know, someone to get back on your radar uh, for next week, but probably a little bit too early to, to push that button. Is there anyone uh, on the Miami side that, that you'd be interested in going against this Jets defense, though? Kenyon Drake is is hard to figure out. I mean, he scored the last two weeks, but still only 14 and 10 touches and, you know, less than 40 snaps per game. And he does have 27 targets the last four games. So they are using him in the, in, out of the backfield. But I just, I have trouble using someone. He's 6,900 on FanDuel. There's other guys we've already mentioned that we kind of like in that range. I just have a problem using a guy that I know has to score on one of his 10 to 12 touches in order to pay off. Yeah, the, the volume is not reliable enough. I mean, like you, you even look at a guy like Tariq Cohen who who feels like he's he's a little bit more uh, dependent on big plays, but I would take him even at $300 more uh, on FanDuel than a Kenyon Drake. I just I feel like the bottom drops out on, on Kenyon Drake more often than not. Um, so like you said, uh, a ton of other options that are more appealing for a cheaper price than Drake. So may, maybe you can kind of Maybe you can kind of reason it into being a, a contrarian play in a tournament, but for the most part, I'm probably uh, staying off of Drake. Are you buying in on the Devontae Parker uh, reemergence last week? A little bit. <laughs> I, I really am. I, th- I, I know. I, I like hate to say it, and it seemed like he's he was just so done with this team, but hey, he didn't get traded, so like he kind of has to go out there, right? So, uh, and he's really the the only like legit outside receiver that they have. The problem is the quarterback play is always really spotty, um, so you, you don't really know what you're going to be getting in terms of the quality of the targets there. But at 5800, um, again, when when Sutton's sitting there at 5500, it's going to be tough to to reason that. But again, it, when it comes to like it being a bit of a contrarian play, uh, Parker would be the only piece of that passing game that I would go after. Yeah, the Jets have given up 500-yard uh, receivers over the last six weeks. He, and Parker played 66 snaps in Week 8, nine targets, six for 134. Uh, I just uh, I've been bitten so many times by Devontae Parker. I'm just I'm not sure I can go back yep. in. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just not sure I could do it. Fair enough. Uh, what about uh, the Miami defense? You like them at all going against Sam Darnold at home? 
Um, I think that this defense is, I mean, I know that the Jets offense can kind of uh, self-destruct on its own. So that, that obviously uh, helps out Miami and Miami secondary has been solid. And, and, you know, they have a couple of ball Hawks with with Xavier Howard and with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick coming on. So maybe there's, there's some room there for, you know, some interceptions, some turnovers uh, that could be caused by that, by this defense. Um, And I I imagine they are going to keep the Jets to a relatively low point point total. Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, if you're not go, if you're going above 4,000, but you're not going like, you you're not climbing the ladder up to like a Houston or a Chicago. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the Dolphins do make some sense there. Before we get on to the next game, a, a quick note from our sponsor, Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft has super flexible lineups. For the NFL, there's no kicker, and you can draft four running backs if you want. In the NBA, the lineups are even more flexible. You want to play five guards and two centers? Sounds good to me. No problem there. You can do that. There's a $100,000 run and gun weekly feature GPP this week. $25 buy-in on that. Jump in on that contest for sure. Uh, there's a $500,000 fantasy draft championship also and plays hundred grand to first place. There's weekly qualifiers. Uh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Weekly qualifiers are happening now. Uh, there's a week 16 final, so you can qualify to get into that. Uh, there's rake-free contests, head-to-head contests, all for under $200. Where half the rake, the other guys uh, get the rest. That means if you and your friends both enter $100 head-to-head, the winner gets $200. Very cool that there's no rake on those contests. Fancy Drafts also takes no fees with that. Now is your call to action. Sign up now for Fancy Draft. You will get a free $4 GPP ticket with initial deposit. Just sign up with referral code ROTOWIRE. Jump it over to FancyDraft.com right now. Check out their lineups. Check out their salaries. It's a really fun site to play on. Uh, next game we got, an interesting game. Low spread, Atlanta at Washington. Washington's fared by one and a half, over under a 48. Kind of a nice uh, a nice setup. You like a, a low spread with a high over under, something that really works. Uh, you look at Atlanta's side of the ball first. I have no interest in Atlanta running backs. Um, Tevin Coleman's kind of been disappointing. I watch him. He doesn't look as quick as yep. he used to to me. Uh, filling in with, for Freeman, I really thought this is going to be his chance to really break out. It just hasn't been there. Uh, the last three weeks, Washington smoked Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and Sa- Saquon Barkley in terms of rushing yards. Uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and avoid Atlanta running backs. So uh, so what do you do on the Atlanta side if you're assuming we're going for the pass game? Yeah, this is, this is interesting. I, I think that the Redskins – quietly just aren't getting enough credit and yep. uh, as a guy that grew up in, in that area and as a Ravens fan where I was surrounded by Redskins fans I thought they're all obnoxious but like <laughs> I got to give them credit they are they are playing so well on the defensive side of the ball to where I know that the Falcons are coming off the bye and everything but this is a this is a situation where that Redskins defense is not to be trifled with so even even with like a, a guy like Julio Jones I think he's like tournament only I, I think that uh, there's some concern uh, for, for the upside there because you know he never scores touchdowns um but uh when it comes to matt ryan i would worry about him being on his back a lot uh this week i think this is a this is a redskins defense that can absolutely get out of the get after the quarterback um so i don't know how much of this atlanta offense i'm really going to be going after i think you know maybe you could uh reason yourself into a calvin ridley because he's he's 6500 that's not too too expensive and he obviously brings uh, a touchdown upside uh to it especially if he's not uh drawing a josh norman um so uh it probably kind of starts and, and ends with Calvin Ridley as far as the Atlanta uh, skill guys that I'm going to be going after in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because they've played, they, the Falcons have played five home games and only two road games. They've really benefited from the early schedule. And I, I thought Matt Ryan looked really good at home. He's looked terrible on the road. He's 9.9 YPA at home, 6.6 in the two road games. And watching those road games, you know, he looked really bad against Pittsburgh. He, obviously, he also looked really bad this, the first week against the, the Eagles in that Thursday night oh, yeah. game. And the ball was coming out weirdly out of his hand. I just don't know if I trust him outside right now, especially against, like you said, a defense is playing well. Um, I think I'm avoiding him, especially he's 8,200 on FanDuel. I don't really see a reason to play him over the 
Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Cam Newton group. Uh, you know, so he has one right. touchdown total in two road games. The guy that's interesting, though, is always Julio. I mean, 81 catches in his last touchdown, which is just freaking impossible. But 100, 100, <laughs> 116 yards a game, 95-plus yards in five of seven games, nine-plus targets in six of seven games. 8,500 on Fandle. I think people are going to go other directions in this game. You know, Julio on the road. When you have all those other, you got Michael Thomas, which a lot of people are going to play. You got uh, Mike. You got Mike Evans. You got a lot of receivers kind of in that range. If people are like Antonio Brown, you mentioned earlier. I wonder if uh, I, I keep wondering when the Julio big breakout week is coming, and it has to come at some point, right? That is that is true. Maybe I, I don't. You know, maybe not. I don't know. I, I, it will happen at some point. I mean, yeah. good Lord. I mean, he's just too talented for it not to happen. Although you do hope that that, that home schedule doesn't completely evaporate before before it does because then it's like, okay, maybe it isn't going to happen this right. year. But you know he's going to have one of those 12, 12 catches, 200 yards, and two touchdowns uh, type of games. Um, at some point, I just I would really bet against it happening uh, this week. I, I think that that Washington defense is too good. And then I, I think you bring up a really good point with just like the depth of which uh, Matt Ryan has struggled on the road. I, I didn't catch much of his performance in Pittsburgh. I knew that it didn't go well, uh, but obviously everyone watched that first game of the season against an Eagles team that has proven to be good, but certainly not to the level it was a year ago. Um, so those kind of struggles on the road, I think they, I think they are for real. I think that it is something that, that transfers over when it comes to Matt Ryan. So um, when that, when you know the guy that's the the trigger man is not doing well, then I think that affects the entire passing game. And again, like you said, uh, the run game probably going to struggle against that Redskins front. So this could be just a a, a rough uh, outing overall for this uh, for this Falcons team. And I, I'm kind of surprised that the spread is as, as low as it is. I would have had uh, I would have put uh, the Redskins down for being a little bit more favored. So on the Redskins side, you look at you look at Adrian Peterson, and he's just such a weird game log. He's over 95 yards in five of seven games. Then he has uh, he has two games where he's really really low. So it's just been really straight. He has six yard game and a 20 yard game. Everything else has been over 95 yards. He's looked really good. He's just so game script dependent. I mean, he doesn't do anything in the passing game. He hasn't had more than three targets or three catches out of the backfield at all in any game. Um, so do you, if you think they're going to win this game, which it sounds like you do, do you then kind of think that Peterson's maybe a play for you? Uh, yes, I, I think that, that that's one of those uh, situations, like you said, with the, with the game flow uh, where – uh, Washington, if they do get up, I do expect that to happen. And Atlanta's defense, it, I mean, it's not really their, their own fault. I mean, they've just uh, suffered so much attrition yeah. on that side of the ball, losing so much star power between uh, Deion Jones and, and Keon O'Neal. Um, I think that they are really, really soft against the run. And uh, according to Football Outsiders, the DVOA, uh, they are 31st uh, against the run here. So I think that Washington is going to get started by, by running the ball uh, here and you know maybe not testing those Atlanta corners so much. So I think they're going to try to go out and run the ball with AP and AD. Um, and <laughs> I think that Peterson – I know uh, some people get like really crazy about mi mis uh, pronouncing uh, his they, his uh, they do. nickname. Yeah, yeah. So had to correct that right off the bat. Um, but <laughs> I do think that th this does set up well for for Peterson this week. I think that maybe some people are, are scared away by by what that floor looks like because obviously it does uh, look bad when, when the game script goes away from the run. But I like Peterson this week. I, I'm in on him. If uh, if Chris Thompson plays, he didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, the Atlanta D's been thrashed out of the run out of the backfield by running backs. Uh, do you like him at all as kind of a saving some money play at 5,600 on FanDuel? Maybe even even on DraftKings we get full point PPR. Do you like him at all if he plays? 
Right. If it's more of a, a DraftKings consideration for me with with yeah. the full point, but uh, I I think that yeah, I think that there is uh, some logic to to use him because of just like that that pass catching upside where you know no matter how the game is going, he should be good for five six uh, maybe seven catches, and, and obviously he can do some damage against that against a uh, a Falcons defense that really does not cover that running back well out of the backfield. How much I'm going to be going after Chris Thompson? Probably not because I'm in, I'm a Peterson guy this week, but I, I definitely see uh, the rationale behind it. Jordan Reed had uh, 12 targets last week. If you're going to attack someone in the in the Washington pass game, is it him? It should be. So the answer would be no, because <laughs> every time that it makes sense for Jordan Reed, yep. it, it just completely falls flat. And I, I know that's not like the most scientific take I can give on it, but it just seems to be uh, the case every single time. I mean, this this matchup does set up well where uh, the, the the coverages that he's going to be drawing between, you know, com- some kind of shaky safeties or, or a linebacker. Uh, I think it does set up well for Reed, but um, I think that he's very, very touchdown dependent as far as this week goes. And I am not necessarily sold that he sees uh, that 12 uh, target type of volume once again. I think that it probably checks down a little bit closer to seven or eight targets obviously he can still do some damage with that um but he's probably not someone that that i'm going full in on especially not in cash games yeah we agree there he hasn't scored since week one he hasn't topped 65 yards all year and, and we mentioned the 12 targets but he was still seven catches for 38 yards of those targets he's just not doing much with it mm, three maybe, yards a target mm. yeah maybe uh maybe DraftKings where he's under 5,000 just for you know kind of getting a bunch of catches and you, you hope this game maybe turns into a shootout but do you like any of the Redskins receivers? It seems hard to really, really narrow someone down enough to play them in the, in DFS. It, yeah, exactly. It feels like kind of like guessing when it comes to the, those um, those Redskins receivers. It does kind of feel like Josh Doxson is maybe turning a corner and, and coming back to the the form where maybe you know he can he can kind of salvage uh, that first round uh, draft pick type of billing. Um, he's, he would be the one that I would go after. I think that uh, his ability to go up and get the ball um, is his best trait. So that, that uh, you know, bodes well for his ability uh, in the red zone. Um, so if I were to go after a Redskins receiver, it would be him. Doxing. Yeah, I just think Alex Smith, the way they play, the way they check down, just handicaps any kind of big upside for any of the receivers. Definitely. I think, yeah, uh, it doesn't set up uh, super well for a downfield receiver like Doxon. But, it's a, you know, again, uh, if you're if you're betting on any of those guys, Doxon would be the be, be the one. I agree there. Uh, moving on to the last game of the uh, the morning slate. We can get it hit it pretty quick. We, t- we mentioned earlier Chicago at Buffalo over under thirty seven and a half bears favored by ten. Uh, we can probably just stay away from the Buffalo offense. Uh, if you think this game yes. goes as the flow uh, states as Vegas thinks it will. Do you do you like uh, do you like Jordan Howard at all? He had 16 carries in the second half last week when they were leading 10 in the fourth quarter. He's 6200 on Fanduel. He's only 4700 on DraftKings. Could be a really nice game script, but you always have that risk that you know if something happens and Buffalo scores a little bit early, then you got Terry Cohen in the mix. You know if they need to catch up a little bit. Uh, are you are you playing either of these running backs this week? And if so, which one? Um, I, I probably am not. I think that the Bills are kind of respectable enough on, on the defensive side and, and especially against the run to where uh, may, it just 
it's going to be tough for uh, either of those guys to, to gain traction. I think if I were to, to lean towards one of them, it'd be Cohen because I do like the pass catching upside uh, out of the backfield. Although, I mean, the, those Buffalo linebackers are actually pretty athletic and, and so they, they should be able to track him uh, relatively well. I just, I just, uh, you know, I get a weird feeling about this game from the Chicago side where uh, this just feels like a trap that I know they're feeling good about themselves right now. And I think that they could fall a little bit flat in, a, in an early game on the road uh, against the Bills here. So I, I just don't really trust anybody uh, fully in this uh, Chicago offense this week, which is weird to say going against the worst team in the league. What about uh, what about the Bears defense? Obviously going to be really popular. They are priced way up. They're 5400 bucks on FanDuel. Very pricey, but obviously Nathan Peterman's a turnover machine. He's like historically high on turnovers. Like I think he's like third in the interception percentage, not like for this season, but of all time. Uh, they only have they only have a couple sacks the last three weeks. Uh, Khalil Mack didn't play last week, but the Bills have 10 turnovers the last three weeks. Uh, is this a team that you just want to slot in and, and see what happens? Or are you going to kind of uh, save a little bit of money there and not pay the price? Um, if I have room, then then I'll do it because because I think that uh, like the the sites have priced uh, them up enough to where like you really do have a make make a decision on you your do. roster yeah. uh, otherwise in order to fit them in. But if you do find a way to do it, and I'm thinking about getting at least one lineup where I can do that because I mean the the idea of like two to three Nathan Peterman interceptions with one or two of those getting returned for touchdowns, that's pretty enticing. I feel like so. I mean I. It's going to be tough to do. It's certainly not one that I'm going to get like 100% uh, in all of my lineups, but I, I will try to do at least one because I am buying that Chicago probably ends the week as the highest uh, scoring defense. Those two or three picks you're talking about, those are just all in the first quarter, right? Uh, uh, the first three attempts, yeah. <laughs> it could be. You never know. Uh, what, he had, what do you have, five in the first half against the Chargers? Is that what it was? Uh, did they let him get that? I thought it was – it might have been four. No, you're probably right. I think it was five. I, I, God, think, that was... I think he might have gotten to five. <laughs> that is unreal. And then, you know, the I was watching the the game against the Texans a few weeks ago where the Bills had kind of like clawed their way back and it was like, "Hey, look at them. They're hanging in." And then just, just absolute uh pick six. Okay, let's end the game right here and then oh, we get the ball back. We got a chance to tie it here. Oh, no, let's throw another interception. So, yeah, Peterman, I don't get it, man. It it's just he just has like an addiction to throwing interceptions. I don't get it. Yeah, he's just, uh, it's not good. But uh, moving to the afternoon games, first one's kind of interesting, over under 46. Broncos are actually favored by one at home against uh, against the uh, Houston Texans. How do you feel about Deshaun Watson right now? He was he was going crazy early on, and then the last three weeks, he's under 250 yards passing the last three weeks, hasn't run for over 20 yards in, over, in the last three games either. And he was he had a stretch where he was like over, he was like 350 yards and 50 rushing yards every game. So it's been a really weird up and down season for Watson. Obviously, he's not healthy. He's been hit a ton the first uh, first few weeks mm-hmm. of the season. He got a ton of ton of hurries, a ton of sacks, a ton of quarterback hits. Uh, how do you feel about him this week going into Denver? That uh, you know, I think the Denver D is one that we've been concerned about in the past, but maybe not quite much as much as we used to. They they kind of had a good run under 200 yards passing for the last three games. Then Mahomes got them for 303 last week. But you know, Mahomes gets mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, how do you feel about the the Houston offense this week? I feel bad about it. I, I just think that, uh, that this is a road game in an environment that you know always favors the home team in the in the Broncos here. So I just think that uh, Watson could be in for a bit of a tough game, and I think it, it hasn't been uh, played up enough quite yet. The what the loss of Will Fuller is going to do to the effectiveness of this passing game, where uh, I know that they went ahead and traded for Demarius Thomas, and, that, and that's all well and good, but. Uh, Nobody that they have really fills that take the top off the defense type of role uh, for for this offense. So without that sort of uh, 
all, constant deep threat that is always stressing the opposing defense, I think that there could be some struggles here um, and some and some growing pains. And obviously, I'm not expecting Thomas to to go off, uh, you know, just a few days after being traded and, and you know learning uh, this Houston offense. Even though he's going against his former team, uh, revenge game people, this is probably a dream for those guys. But um, I just don't really see this being a great spot for him. And then also, the um, you know touching on uh, the Watson getting hit thing. Uh, going against Denver's front seven, uh, that's a real problem. I think Von Miller could have, you know, one of like the best days of his career because of how bad this Houston uh, offensive line is and how often Watson just kind of, and I'm like a huge Watson guy, he does not shield himself from hits at no. all. And he kind no. of runs himself into them. So he's really kind of opening himself up for some for some hurting on Sunday. I still think that, that Denver is bad enough that, that Houston wins this game. So I, I still find this to be one of the stranger lines of the week. Um, but as far as how effective Houston's offense is, um, I would say that it's going to be a rough one. I take it you're not buying in on the Lamar uh, Lamar Miller uh, bounce back. You know, he was he was struggling then 100 yards the last two weeks, 133 last week on 18 carries. Denver's weird. They were getting thrashed on the ground. I mean, just getting killed. And I think that Crowell game, they gave like 300 yards to Crowell and Bilal Powell. But then they Mm -hmm. held Kareem Hunt 16 for 50 two weeks ago. DJ, uh, David Johnson, 14 for 39 last last game. Uh, It seems like maybe they're digging in a little bit and and improving that, uh, that that front seven against the run. Yeah, it does seem to be trending in that right direction, and uh, I think they'll they'll be a little bit extra rested uh, for this game. But um, they do rank 28th against the run. Um, I'm just not a, a Lamar Miller uh, guy. I think that you know if you if you you know squeeze the juice out of the out of the last two weeks and you had him in your fantasy lineups, then good on you. But I just don't really see that becoming the trend. I think that those are more aberration games than, than what to expect out of Lamar Miller. Um, I don't expect Houston's line to get the the proper push, and I don't expect him to find the running lanes uh, that he has these fat these last couple of weeks. And you got to factor in that one of those was against Miami, who we've been hammering their run defense uh, throughout this podcast. So it goes to show that I think that Lamar Miller, as good as he's been recently, um, I don't think it's a sign of things to come. DeAndre Hopkins, 8,600 on Fandle, going to slide under the radar at a, at a lower percentage this week with all the, all the good plays at wide receiver. Are you, are you? It sounds like you're not in on this offense at all this week, though. I'm not. I mean, when, you know, Antonio Brown is right there and, and when Michael Thomas is right there, um, I, it's, you know, I love DeAndre Hopkins and all, but I, right. I just don't think that this is the, this is the week that I'm going to be going after him. So, again, uh, you can probably profit in terms of the low ownership and tournaments um, and all that. And you, you got to expect that he probably sees a slight boost uh, in target volume with Wolf Fuller being out and with Demarius Thomas probably not being able to pick up that full uh, target share just yet. Um, and, and I think Kiki QT, I, I forget what his uh, health status is recently, but he, he's been dinged up. Um, and I don't think that he's going to see a ton of targets. So volume wise, maybe like DraftKings, like Hopkins pushes for like 16 targets or something like that. Then I think that the, that the appeal is there. But in in the more general sense, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards an Antonio Brown or a Michael Thomas or an Adam Thielen if I'm going upper tier uh, at wide receiver. On the Denver side of the ball, we, we, we talked about Cortland Sutton, I think, plenty. You know, he's 3,900 on DraftKings, 5,500 on FanDuel, 7,700 on Fancy Draft. Really well priced in all those. Just they couldn't, uh, they couldn't adjust to the, the Damaris Thomas trade. The salaries were already out. 
So I think we've hit him mm-hmm. enough. I think he'll be high percentage. I think we both like him. What about Philip Lindsay? Uh, Royce Freeman's status is kind of up in the air. He practiced a little bit this week. He's 6,700 on FanDuel, but he's been good the last two weeks. 14 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown, 18 for 95 and a touchdown. No one's top 85 yards rushing this year against the Texans so far. But uh, how do you feel about Lindsay? We talked about a lot of guys kind of that 6,500, 7,000 range. Is he someone that, uh, that makes the cut for you? Um, I, th- I think so. Um, I, I probably still, uh, I like Latavius Murray and, and Nick Chubb probably still a little bit more, but I think that Lindsay is an interesting, uh, play. I think that he's one that I think his consistency hasn't been, uh, like lauded enough. I think that he's been re- really, really solid when given the opportunity and, you know, he, he's run well against, against these run defense. This is probably the toughest, uh, test to date that, that he's going to, that he's faced maybe outside of like, uh, the Baltimore defense on the road. Um, but I, I, I do think that this this Houston defense, especially against the run, is pretty legit, and they're going to be pretty well rested. Um, so that that's my problem. I just think that this is a situation where um, he's going to be running into a brick wall a lot of the time there. So I, I like Lindsey uh, in the long term, uh, but this week not as much. Uh, you think Emmanuel Sanders ends up with a, with a ton of targets with Demarius gone? I do. I do. I think that this sets up well for him. Um, I'm, I'm a huge like Emmanuel Sanders stand to begin with. But I, I think that uh, I think that, that, you know, with Sutton's skill set, I think it's one that doesn't really uh, project for a ton of, of volume necessarily. I think he gets more downfield work, the red zone work and all that good stuff that we that we look for. But I think in terms of getting those chains moving against Houston. It's going to be through Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so I think that this this is a really, really high floor game for him at the very least. You feel like uh, you feel like an under 46 on this game, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you know, this is this is one where the, the defenses are, are solid enough and, and the offenses might might struggle enough to where, um, especially Denver. I think that Denver is, you know, in danger of scoring like under 14 points or something almost like it, it really could be a long day for them, especially if uh, the Texans are getting home on that on that pass rush. So, yeah, more than anything, do like the under on this one. Moving further west, we have a really interesting game. We have the Chargers headed to Seattle. Always a tough place to play. Seattle actually fared by one. Uh, I like the Chargers in this game actually to win. Over-under is 48, so it's an interesting game. Low uh, low spread, high over-under. Starting on the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers. Uh, she's just, just, just the most solid floor guy. He has multiple touchdowns in every game so far this season. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, again, like, he, he just continues to be this guy that, that, uh, you know, it almost like he's getting better the, the older he gets. So, I mean, he's really, really cheap uh, on DraftKings. My, I guess my one, like, pushback or, or question for you, uh, you being on the West Coast, you've probably seen more of Seattle in, in recent weeks than I have. I've kind of just more been, like, following along on, on the box scores and seeing what they've been able to do to opposing teams. And it's like, they're kind of no name on the defensive side of the ball, but they are really, really getting the job done. I know that the Kansas City, or I'm sorry, uh, the Chargers are coming off the bye here, um, but are you worried at all going up into Seattle that you know, it's not quite Legion of Boom uh, level of difficulty, but certainly one that that's a defense you got to at least account for when, when you're throwing your lineup together? Yeah, I am a little bit. I mean, I, I think that playing there can never be under understated. I mean, it's just a, a really nasty place to play. And I just think at Rivers at 8,000 on FanDuel, I think he's a good floor guy, but not someone that's going to go off in this game. The guy I really like this week is Keenan Allen. Um, 7,400 on FanDuel. Hasn't topped 90 yards since week one. Hasn't scored since week one. Only 11 targets last two games. And he had that uh, he had that tantrum he threw in London. Uh, he he had he was open on a touchdown. They threw a, they threw the other side of the field. He freaked out. He threw his helmet. He kicked the pylon. It was this huge thing. And 
I like when stud receivers have blowups like that. I like them in fancy for the next week. I think he's going to be squeaky wheel all week long. Marvin Jones had seven for a buck 17 and two touchdowns against uh, the Seahawks last week. I know some of that was garbage time, but uh, he still has 60 yards in six of his last seven games. I think he's going to be way under the radar this week. 7,400 is a nice price for him. There's so many other plays. I think Keenan Allen this week is going to be someone that's going to win a big tournament somewhere. I'm sold. All right, I'm in. Uh, that, that, I like it. All that, all that, all that makes sense to me. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, like you said, uh, the squeaky wheel uh, gets the grease here. So, uh, and they've had the bye week. So, I mean, that's been a long time coming uh, as far as him getting back on the field and getting it going. So, yeah, I guess if there is a Charger uh, weapon to go for, yeah, go go with uh, Allen. He's got the the Scott Jenstead stamp of approval. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Keenan Allen guy this week. I think uh, I think he's gonna pay off and he'll you'll see him back over 8000 uh, for the next game. Uh what about Melvin Gordon? You know, he's 8600, missed last game in London with the, with the hamstring. Uh, he partially practiced the last couple of games. Sounds like he's going to play. Hamstrings with running backs always freak me out. Maybe I'm just scarred by Leonard yes. For- Leonard Fournette at all times, but he scored you at least both. scored at least once each of the last 5 weeks, but I just think at that price a guy with a hamstring, I just always worry about, you know, he takes a ball and, and makes a cut and he's got to come out. Um, I think I'm probably going to avoid him this week, but uh, he's always he's always good. And he always scores, but uh, if I'm going to pay up this week at, at running back, it's just not going to be Gordon for me. Yeah, that's what that's what's killing me about him is just like the the hamstring and running back combination. It's it's you know just absolutely dire. I mean, it's it's almost like a, an ace pitcher in a in a forearm uh, strain or something. You know, it's just really a, a huge red flag for you. So um, when it comes to Gordon this week, 8200, and, and I think again. Um, you got to give the Seattle uh, run defense credit. They've been uh, really, really stout against the run. They rank sixth in DVOA against the run here. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy sledding, even if Gordon is good to go in this game here. So I don't see this being one of his better games of, of the year. And with that, I mean, you're, you you can't really justify uh, paying up as high as you need to to, to roster him. How do you feel about uh, Chris Carson on the other side of the ball? He's 6,500 on FanDuel. He's under 10K at Fantasy Draft. He's 4,700 on DraftKings. He appears to finally be the guy. He's averaging 24 touches a game in the last four games, 100 yards rushing in three of the last four, kind of quietly really taking over that job. Um, Seattle's actually second to the Rams in overall rushing attempts. So they become a team. You know, Russell Wilson's been really efficient, but they've run the ball a ton. He doesn't throw the ball a lot. He's had like 25 attempts the last couple weeks, but, you know, a lot of touchdowns, but very efficient. Uh, Deion Lewis mm-hmm. had 13 carries for 91 yards against uh, the Chargers in the last game. Uh, he had six catches also. Chargers have only allowed 100-yard rusher. But what do you feel on Carson? I mean, he feels like he's underpriced for the volume and the work. But uh, I just never trust Pete Carroll with his running backs. Right. It, it, it That is something that, that I think, you know, over the years, the cumulative scar tissue of, of <laughs> trying to figure out that this uh, this Seattle running back rotation. But um, looking at uh, looking at Chris Carson's pe- player page, we got we, we got the uh, player pages uh, kind of revamped now. And we have like a, the snap count right there. And if you if you filter it to the last four weeks, Chris Carson has seen 104 um, offensive snaps, whereas the next closest guy is Mike Davis at 68. So he, Carson uh, kind of stepping into that dominant uh, role where he's he's not leaving the field very much and, and people aren't getting playing time over him so the volume is setting up really well it's it it's one that you know early in the season you you really really couldn't trust it especially with with them taking a Rashad Penny in the first round but Carson seems to be taking over um I like what he what he can do when he when he gets the work um this Chargers defense is pretty solid against the run but um I think that he does see enough work here where and you know you mentioned the the price is being kind of uh 
almost alarmingly low on him. I think that there's a buy low opportunity here for Chris Carson this week. I do too. The only the only note on that is he is questionable this week. He had a little bit of hip. He was added to the uh, he was limited participant on Thursday. He was added to the injury list. I think he's fine, but definitely definitely check that later in the week, and um, we'll probably hit that on Twitter if he if he's uh, good to go or not good to go. Kind of how that affects everything. Are you a Tyler Lockett guy at all? It's been a weird season for him. He scored in six of seven week, which seems seems crazy, but only six targets and forty seven yards combined the last two weeks. He's only topped eighty yards once. I never thought Tyler Lockett would be this touchdown dependent, but he really has been. Um, just not a guy that I want to play. I know the touchdowns have been there, but it seems like you've got to hit that big 35-yard touchdown for him to work. Exactly, yeah. He the like just how boomer bust he's been. It's been uh, and you know again he's 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 hit those touchdowns, but uh, it's really really tough, uh, especially when like Doug Baldwin could be getting more and more involved in this passing game. That could just mean uh, less looks and then uh, you know a lesser likelihood of of Lockett uh, being able to pay off there. So I like him for season long. I'm still going to use him there, but uh, when it comes to daily, he's a bit risky in in my mind. I think that yeah, like the the floor could really uh, bottom out on him. So moving on to the final game of the day, which was the, which is the big one. We mentioned the over-under is, is the highest number we've seen in the NFL since 2004. It's right around 60 points. The Rams headed to New Orleans, the 8-0 Rams going to the, going to the Superdome. We'll start on the Rams side of the ball. They're 8-0. Uh, they deserve all the respect they get, and they've been really good. They, you know, not quite as good the last few weeks as they were the few weeks, but still winning games. Uh, what are you doing with the Rams offense? Obviously, we want a part of this. We want parts of this game uh, for 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 uh, DFS lineups. Any slate you plan, you're going to want some of this game. How do you pick and choose and figure out which guys you're going to go with? And starting on the Rams side, um, I think you look at the at the price tag on Gurley and. and- in past weeks, it's like, oh, usually this would be prohibitive, but it's Todd Gurley, so I'm just going to find a way uh, to do it. This time around, I do like I think that he's more expensive this week uh, even than he was uh, a week ago going against uh, the Packers. Um, you know, he's checking in at 11,200 over on FanDuel and at uh, 9,500, um, 1,300 more than any other running back over on DraftKings. I just think that this might be that spot where he doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily pay off. I think that, that you know, this Saints uh, run defense is better than I think uh, people are giving it uh, credit for. And I think that they have the, the personnel um, in terms of its linebackers or its safeties uh, to kind of uh, help kind of uh, take Gurley's effectiveness away out of the backfield as a pass catcher, too. So he's the one that I'm that. Um, I think could be a landmine that that uh, you know, given the price point that you're you're going to be having to pay and, and the sacrifices you're going to have to make at other positions, um, I, I have a hard time going uh, after Gurley this week. And I, I know that's kind of like sacrilege, given how good he's been all year. But I think you you kind of got to skew it more towards the passing game or, or the receivers more specifically. I think. What do you make of the you know reintroduction of Cooper Cup into this offense? How does that kind of flip uh, the volume around with, with Robert Woods uh, and with Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of makes it harder who to pick. I mean, you know, some of the, one of the receivers is going to go off, maybe even two, but it becomes yep. harder to pick because you know, Cup's going to walk back in and obviously get targets. He had six plus targets each of the first five games when you know we played full games. He had the concussion, then he had the knee. Um, you know, five touchdowns so far in you know four four full games and like two half games. So he's been really efficient. I really like Brandon Cooks in a game like this. 
indoors where you're going to have to score a lot of points. I just like his upside. I think he's priced high enough where he's not going like, to won't be too popular. I think a lot of people are going to go to Cup just because he's the cheapest of the three. But, you know, Cooks has eight plus targets in five of the seven games. They're using him much differently than the Patriots did. It's not just about the deep ball. But huge upside. You know, he only has two touchdowns, but he's always a potential to break one if he gets loose at all. Yep. Obviously, he has the speed and the elusiveness to, to, to break away. 50 plus yards in every game. So he's been really active. I feel like the big Brandon Cooks blow up game is coming, and I think it's this week. Interesting. I, you know, I, I, I'm uh, definitely in on Brandon Cooks uh, th- this season. I think that, you know, a lot of people coming in were, were worried that he was going to get like the Sammy Watkins decoy role. And I think that that was just like a little bit too reductive and a little bit too much like projecting their own like Sammy Watkins disappointment onto Brandon Cooks, who's been like pretty money throughout his NFL career. So um, I didn't really understand that coming in. Uh, and, and Cooks has obviously uh, been able to produce at a really high level. And I, I think in, if you're looking at ceilings uh, for this for this uh, receiving core he he easily has the highest and and like you said uh the blow-up game could be coming uh and if he if he doesn't get a Marshawn Lattimore covering him or maybe even Lattimore hasn't been quite the lockdown guy that that he was uh as a rookie as as teams have kind of avoided him a little bit he's not seeing as regular of a target work um but I think this could be a situation yeah where where Cooks uh finds a way and, and burns him yeah, I mean, and you look at the Saints defense. They are allowing 40.8 FanDuel points per week to wide receivers. That's the highest in the NFL, even higher than Tampa Bay, even higher than the Chiefs. Uh, Diggs, and Thielen, yeah. Diggs and Thielen both had 100 last week. John Brown had, what, 7 for 134 and a touchdown the week before that. They allowed three mm-hmm. guys over 140 yards the first three weeks of the season. I just think that they are ripe to be picked on. Uh, like you said, their run D is really good, 2.9 yards per carry. They lead the NFL in yards per carry. Uh, Peyton Barber actually was has the most yards against them all year at 69 yards in week one. So they've been really good against the run. I think uh, I think Goff uh, is going to be a really good play this week too. He's 8,400 on Fanduel. I think he's going to slide through with a lot of Cam Newton plays, a lot of Drew Brees plays. I think that Goff is not going to be a very high percentage. And with these three weapons, you know, I even think that a Goff and two of those guys' stacks could work. I could I could see going Goff, Cooks, and Woods, or Goff, Cooks, and Cup. Uh, they just they, New Orleans is so susceptible to the deep ball, so susceptible to the passing game. Uh, I think Goff's my favorite quarterback this week, and I don't think many people are going to have him as the top guy. I like it. I think that that's an interesting call. And, that, and then, you know, with the Saints being as bad as they have been uh, in the – in the secondary and maybe with with Gurley sort of being uh, stifled uh, they have to call a lot more pass plays than maybe we're used to seeing in which case you know like even using two of the three uh, receivers, like the the volume, it, it's so reliably going to the one of those three receivers that you you're gonna see plenty of volume no matter which pairing you go with it if you do do like the full uh, Ram stack. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued by that call. Yeah, I think if, if we've noticed how good New Orleans is against the run, I, I bet Sean McVay might have noticed that at some point this week. Yeah, he, he's a he's a <laughs> smart cookie. Yeah. Um, so on the Saints side of the ball, obviously, you know, the Rams are going to score. I think that that's, that's pretty clear. I, I'd be surprised the Rams didn't score 30 points in this game. So New Orleans is going to have to score two in order to win this game. Um, so what do you attack with New Orleans? I mean, obviously, Drew Brees is 8,400. He's the eighth highest quarterback at fantasy draft. So if you're playing a fantasy draft, eighth highest quarterback for this game, I really like that too. Goff is 10th highest. I like both of them on fantasy draft. Brees is back in the dome. Great game flow, game, game, flow, game script. He only had her 25 yards last week, but, you know, I think at 9.6 YPA at home, only 7.1 on the road. It's been very clear over the years how much better he is at home. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions in three home games with 1,045 yards. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to find a reason not to go with Drew Brees this week. I really like Drew Brees. I think that, you know, uh, this uh, 
his Rams secondary, it, it's got a lot of name uh, recognition to it. But like, uh, you know, in terms of actual performance this year, I was reading a piece by, uh, I believe it was Davis Maddock on, on the site, uh, breaking down some of the specific corner uh, to receiver matchups this week. And it looks like Marcus Peters, uh, you know, Obviously, that name carries a lot of weight, but the way he's been playing this year has been really, really shaky. Uh, one of the worst uh, corners in terms of efficiency. Um, so I think that this could be a huge spot uh, for Michael Thomas in, in a week where it really uh, sets up well for him. And obviously, uh, the catch rate is is out of this world when it comes to Michael Thomas. If Breeze looks his way, which he does often, uh, Thomas is coming down with it way more way more often uh, than not. So I think that there's a really, really high uh, chance of him going for like 10-plus catches here, and I think he could also find the end zone as well. So I think this sets up really, really well for Michael Thomas. It, like He's the one that uh, I am trying to get the most uh, shares of in terms of this New Orleans offense. Yeah, it's the crazy thing with Michael Thomas is he with all the targets he has is a huge number. He has six less receptions than targets. That seems just impossible. Right. I mean, and then you would think that, you know, he must be like basically getting the the uh, equivalent of like long handoffs. Like, no, he's going down the field or he's yeah. making catches in traffic. Like it, these are not like joke little gimme receptions here that it, that he's making. Yeah, he only has one game all year where he has uh, more than more than one target that he hasn't caught. Wait, which one was that? Oh, was that uh, that was against Baltimore? Yeah, he was like yes. getting really frustrated that, not, that he uh, didn't catch two of his yeah. targets. He was only nine <laughs> targets, nine targets, seven receptions in that game. But uh, yeah, he's bonkers. Now, what about Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram? Kamara's eight thousand on on Fanduel. Ingram seventy four hundred. In a wide open game like this, I tend to lean more towards Kamara on this one. He just gets a ton of red zone usage. He scored twice last week. Uh, coming out of the bye, you know, he had that one game with Ingram, with the first game with Ingram back where he really didn't see the ball at all, but he had 19 and 20 touches the last two weeks. Aaron Jones was really good against the Rams last week, 12 for 86 and a touchdown. Um, do you do you lean towards one of these guys this week? I lean towards Kamara, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely go more towards Kamara if, I, if I'm picking between the two of them. I'm not sure how how much or, or how, how big of a percentage of uh, Kamara I'm going to be getting into all of my lineups uh, because of uh, some of the other running backs that I like that are right. a little bit cheaper or uh, in, in one case uh, Kareem Hunt being at, at 8,500 so if there is a Saints running back I'm going for it is him um, but it, it's just going to be a, a question of lineup construction for me the rest of the way and, and how many uh, Saints can I re- realistically fit into my lineup where, you know, when I'm already probably uh, locking in Michael Thomas at 8,600. Yeah, and you've got, I mean, you got you mentioned Hunt, Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey all kind of in that same range. Would Kamara be third in that list for you? I think so. I think that uh, McCaffrey, just like you, you know that he's going to be getting a ton of targets and, and a fair bit of carries. And again, that matchup is so favorable for him. So he goes number two for me there. And then, and then Hunt would be uh, RB1 of that grouping. Uh, last guy I want to talk about in this game and someone that I think I'm going to try and get a piece of, especially if I need some cheap guys. And I just want some piece of this game is Traquan Smith. 5,100 on FanDuel, 4,200 on DraftKings. 10 targets the last two weeks, but playing a lot of snaps. And, you know, anybody playing a lot of snaps in this offense, I like to get, especially as a cheap uh, a cheap guy. And this is just a back-and-forth game. you got to think a lot of guys are going to be involved. I think Traquan is kind of that last guy to throw in your flex lineup or your wide receiver three. Uh, very appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, you certainly like got to like him more than like a Cameron Meredith. And, and I think Smith just continues to get better and continues to develop as, you know, his rookie season progresses. And I think that Breeze is starting to show uh, more and more trust with him uh, on a week to week basis. And, and Smith can be pretty killer as far as a deep down the field guy, probably more so uh, than Michael Thomas, who's more 
uh, like short area uh, red zone in terms of like where he's at his absolute best. So Smith, a bit more of a field stretcher. So I think that like the payoff could be really, really nice for him. I think that the potential uh, for, for a big player two out of Smith is, is, re- is relatively high. For some reason, people still like Cam Meredith. Uh, the last two weeks, 27 snaps total, zero targets. Yeah, that, I just, I, you know, I, I hate what happened to him in Chicago and everything. I just, I can't buy in on him from a fantasy perspective, at least for this year. Yeah, with, with Ted Ginn out, I think Traquan Smith is kind of your last cheap guy is, uh, is very appealing. Anybody else in this uh, this fantastic game that uh, you want to discuss? Um, generally, if I if I'm gonna like punt at, at tight end, I, I've kind of uh, been drawn to Ben Watson on occasion, but um, I don't know what what happened with him uh, this pat or uh, last week. But um, I don't know. I, I think that. Watson Watson is like a, a guy that if they get down in the red zone and the defense tries to tries his best to take away a Michael Thomas, then Watson can kind of luck his way into a touchdown. But you're not really expecting uh, much more than that. So, I mean, it's, again, a, a pretty much uh, touchdown or bust type of situation. But Watson can do it if, if you need to in a, in a pinch at fifty four hundred on FanDuel. Yeah, and he's he's thirty two hundred on DraftKings. So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna punt somewhere, uh, it's gonna be DraftKings at thirty two hundred at tight end. He, he becomes interesting. If you're not gonna play Kelsey, you know, there's no other slam dunks at tight end leagues with a lot of those guys out. I think maybe it makes sense just to drop all the way down and play a guy that in a game that could have sixty or seventy points. Right. So yeah, that's that's sort of my rationale there. Um, but yeah, that that would be uh, my last cheap option. Is there anyone else uh, for you? Uh, I think that's it. I'm I'm big on Traquan Smith there. I think that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find his get him in my, a lot of my lineups and as a way to uh, to get a piece of the New Orleans side. If I can't in a lineup where I can't afford Thomas or can't afford Kamara and I go so, with some Rams, I think he's kind of a a nice game stack guy. If I want to go, uh, you know, if I want to go like Goff and and Cooks, I think I might go Traquan on the other side to kind of get some back and forth action in this game. There you go. I like that. That's a that's a good setup. Cool. Anybody else you want to talk about any of their football stuff you want to talk about before I let you get out of here? Um, that that's pretty much it. It for me. I think we we uh, we covered this main slate well. I think this is going to be uh, this is one of my more uh, prepared uh, feelings on a Friday going into the weekend. So I'm going to get a lot of a lot of lineups together uh, this weekend. And again, uh, a fair bit of those Bucks and Panthers uh, going. And uh, this Rams Saints game, I, I just like can't wait to watch it just from like a, a football fan perspective. But yeah. obviously, I'm getting plenty of action in on it from a from a fantasy aspect as well. It's going to be. I mean, it really it does feel like the game of the year i know that you mentioned uh that it's the highest over under since 2004 what is what was that game was it like a, a chiefs game or something uh i forgot I, I looked at it earlier i think it was actually raiders chiefs it was 2004 i think it was raiders chiefs oh man so, some like uh trent green rich gannon action or something yeah, no doubt a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of trent green a lot of rich gannon and uh, it's uh, that one's the, the raiders team that was scoring a lot of points with tim brown and charlie garner and i think cherry rice was probably gone by then but uh, they had that they had it pumping for a while there Oh yeah, those those Raiders uh, offenses in the early two thousands those were those were nuts. Yeah, but uh, well, I appreciate you jumping on. Usually we get to talk football for about ten to twelve minutes at a, at a time, so it was fun to actually break down a full slate with you. So I appreciate uh, appreciate you jumping on and filling in for Derek this week. So we uh, thank you very much for that. It was it was fun to talk football with you. Absolutely appreciate uh, you having me on, and, and uh, yeah, it, it is nice to get like the full hour as opposed to just like the the quick hits uh, twelve minute uh, radio segment. So yeah, this was great, man. I, I really appreciate it. So definitely uh, check out John. He you're on the radio uh, Saturdays uh, talking football, right? Uh, yes, uh, on the uh, Sirius XM the, on the Fantasy uh, Sports Channel over there. Um, it is from noon to two uh, Central Time, so ten uh, to noon Pacific Time. And give everybody your Twitter real quick also. 
I am at uh, Johnny McKex on Twitter. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-C-K-E-C-H-S. Um, and uh, it's uh, I, I tweet a fair bit at NFL. I tweet a lot of college football stuff as well. So follow along uh, if you're interested in that. I do a lot of uh, DFS discussion on on the college side as well. So tomorrow there there will be uh, the tweets will be flying uh, as the uh, college slate uh, goes on as well. Who does uh, Who does Georgia play this week? It is at Kentucky for the, for the, uh, the SEC East title. So both there are two uh, division titles title games going on uh, tomorrow in the SEC between Bama and LSU. And then uh, uh, the winner of that game would play the winner of uh, Kentucky versus Georgia. And this is the biggest game I think in Kentucky history, basically. So I'm a little nervous. They are going to be getting up for it. And Kentucky plays a style that um, can kind of play against anybody. They can they can play defense and they can run the hell out of the ball. So should be a really energetic entertaining game i think it's gonna be an absolute slugfest too though a little bit a little bit less ink than the than the bama lsu game yeah <laughs> i mean that game just like sucks up like all the coverage every single yeah. year you can't really do anything about it at this point and now that lsu is actually good for or this good for for a change uh i think it even it adds to it and then night game at tiger stadium like how can you not love that real uh, real quick before i let you go does lsu have a chance to win that game no, because I think that yeah. the highest points that I think they could realistically score against Alabama, I set it at 27. Um, I don't think that any defense can can hold Alabama under that total. So I think that LSU has a good chance of covering the 14 and a half point spread. I see it being like a 38 to 27 Alabama win, though. I saw that Bama's averaging 38 points in the first half the season. Yeah, yeah, they're just it, what the, what they're doing is just uh, it's not fair. I mean, yeah. it, like it, it's enough that they've already had like the suffocating defenses for the last decade for, for them to have like the best quarterback in college football now, too. It's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that is pretty wrong. But uh, anyway, I appreciate uh, appreciate you jumping on and appreciate everybody listening. If again, if you uh, could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. That goes a long way towards helping out the podcast. So head over to iTunes or Stitcher or you happen to listen to us and give us a, a positive view, a review if you enjoyed the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. Other than that, we will be back at you for week 10. Hope everybody has a fantastic week nine. Has, uh, we have some good results. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.